0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.
1: Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, Tirec.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires. Like the highly consumer-rated Toyo Open Country AT3. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension? Just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com. That's the way tire buying should be.
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals.
4: Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
5: Remember all those big
0: dreams you used to have, and then life made other plans? With a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van,
6: it's time to bring those dreams back. Start your own business or commit to van life with a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van. Now, you could win the Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Mode 4x4 that we have. Enter the Dan Patrick Show Ultimate Camping Rig Sweepstakes. To enter, get official rules. Visit danpatrick.com or foxsportsradio.com. Have to do it by February 2nd for your chance to win.
1: Hey, welcome in to the uh, all-new All Ball. My man Dave Redson's is going to join us in a moment. He is the lead voice of the Big Ten Network. Calls games, been there since day one. And I think the Big Ten is maybe the most interesting conference in college basketball as we get ready for championship week, which kind of strangely has started this week because the Las Vegas tournaments, Mountain West, uh, has been moved up, so is the West Coast. That's okay, an extra week, a week early in Vegas. I'm, I'm good with all that. Um, I, I want to give you a quick thought on the NBA, and then we'll get to some college stuff, including my thoughts on a couple of these jobs, which are not yet open, could be open, and what it means in the coaching landscape. I, I was watching Luka take on Zion the other night. And they're not exact replicas, right? But is it possible that we're watching the next Larry Bird and the next Charles Barkley? Right? Luca seems to have a much bigger smile and almost a Magic Johnson sort of way about him. But the way he plays, his ability to pass, shoot, and rebound, get open, and create space, even though he's not a great athlete, that's Larry Bird. He's also not scared of taking and making the big shot. And as much as we can sit here and go, well, Bird was like 23 by the time he became a pro. That's fair. Bird, from the moment he started playing at Indiana State, Indiana State started winning. Like he he was synonymous being a winning player. And think of how he turned around. I think they won like 19 games or something the year before he got there in Boston, won 60 his first year. Like that's what luka has been able to do. Turn around a fl- floundering franchise. Almost immediately. Granted, Bird had to have McHale and Parrish eventually, but Luka's got Kristaps Porzingis and others. I'm talking about the way in which they play, the skill set they have. If you kind of said, what's a 2020 version of Larry Bird? You could do a lot worse than comp If you than that if if you're comparing him to Luca. As for Zion, he's Barkley. That's what Barkley was when he first got in the league. The round mound of rebound was too athletic for traditional power forwards and centers to guard and just too, too strong and too tough in a low post for a guard, which back then, six foot four and a half, six foot five guys, that's what they were, for a guard to guard. That's where Zion is. Zion's a small ball center, but if you put a big on him, he's too quick, too athletic. You put a guard on him or a wing on him, and he's just too strong and too good in the post. We're watching Bird and Barkley. That's what we're watching, Bird and Barkley. I also believe that, I I think that Simmons is closer to magic than we want to believe. Now, part of what Simmons doesn't have is that unspoken, unwritten magic was kind of magical. He just took over, he's taken over every room he's ever been in. Luca and Zion have more of it than Ben Simmons do. But Simmons is the same size. People, like, you forget, like, Magic couldn't shoot either, man. Go and not just look at the numbers. He was a bad free throw shooter. was a bad shooter. Became, he had kind of that shot put shot, set shot that became makeable. So I'm not as down on Ben Simmons as others are. I think he's an incredible talent. Now, are there times in which you feel like he's not working on his game? Sure. Are there times in which you feel like he mentally isn't there in terms of leadership Uh, emotional engagement. Yes. Which magic you could never felt like you could say it. But remember magic was, he was out in the scene in LA. He used to hang out with his owner. Like magic was a hangout guy, which is what Ben Simmons kind of is. It's like now it's the Kardashians or whatever, but it's the same kind of idea. Like they're both, they both like that lifestyle and feel like they can compete. Even though that's the lifestyle they live. That was magic. I don't think it's crazy to think Luca is bird. Cause remember Luca won in Europe bird, won in college. They won a championship in college, obviously, but he's with Indiana state. Come on, dude. And, and he's, he's turned around the Mavericks much the way bird turned around the Celtics. And I think that there's a certain, um, Barkley quality to Zion and a magic quality to Ben Simmons. What's old is in fact new. All right, let's get to college basketball. So we're watching San Diego State at the time of this recording just came from behind and beat Air Force. Um, look, they're not the same team without Nathan Mensah. You don't have your starting center who's a versatile athlete who allows him to go big a little bit more and play small. He can, you know, he can do it either way. I, I'm i not sure they're as good as the record, although they basically played conference play without him. So, so there is that. Which leads us to this one-seed discussion. I tweeted out after watching Dayton completely and thoroughly dismantle Rhode Island that I thought Dayton looked like a one seed, And I know that some of this would go counter to what I said about Wichita State. This is years ago when Wichita State was undefeated going into the tournament. And I was like, look, is anybody picking Wichita State? Here's the thing that I, I, I love. We will, and I don't know if Dayton should be a one seed. I just know that everybody else is losing. All right, we'll see if Kansas wins. Uh, Kansas is probably one seed regardless, but if they win the Big 12 on the road against Texas Tech and they've beaten Dayton, how are you going to not make them a one seed regardless of what they do in Kansas City? So I think Kansas is a one seed. Then it's like, who else? Everybody else keeps losing or coming close to losing to inferior teams. Right, Gonzaga got blown up by BYU. Let's say Gonzaga wins out. I think they'd probably be a one seed. Then who's left? Like There's nobody in the Pac-12 that'll be a one seed. In the Big Ten, there's nobody that'll be a one-seed, right? They're all kind of so similar, and obviously you'll hear from Dave Revson about just how even this league is. Seton Hall, now nah, they lost at home to Villanova last night. Don't see them being a one-seed, even if they weren't fully healthy the entire year. Like, go ahead. Try and find the team that it makes sense to give them a one-seed. So I guess you go get Kansas if Gonzaga wins out, they beat BYU or St. Mary's to win the ti- win the conference tournament title. You put them in there. The difference of this Dayton team is that, again, this is assuming, I mean, they get to the championship of the A-10. But if you win, you win the A-10. Even the A-10 is not great. This league has been about how evenly matched all these teams are. And yet you got a team with only two losses on the season. That's pretty outstanding. Pretty amazing. So, um, I might sound like a hypocrite and I'm okay with that, but I think that if you're actually listening to what I'm saying and you understand, you know, what I'm saying is is basically this. Every year is different. I'm not comparing past years and past teams and their past resumes to anything they did previously. And I'm simply trying to be fair and I I am uh, the, the, the reason I like Dayton is not just Obi top and how they fit around him. And I agree with the idea of, I'm not sure he'd be nearly as good in a high major conference. I'm pretty sure he wouldn't be. Did you ever play the over under game with your friends? You know, think I can eat a slice of pizza in under 30 seconds, or I know it'll take you over a minute to down that two liter. If you have, then you're going to love pick six
5: Because there's more quality
1: big men, especially in like the Big Ten. But I mean, even in the Big 12, I mean, look at, you know, Yudoka Azabuke. Could he cover him out on the floor? Probably not. But could he, could Toppen, we've seen Toppen against Azabuke when Kansas was playing big back in Maui. And I think Azabuke has gotten better. Toppen may have gotten better. How would he do against Nick Richards if they played Kentucky, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? So I, I guess the, the, the takeaway is this. Um, I'm probably going to violate my own rule about Dayton being a one seed, which is, Hey, if you're a one seed, you should be considered one of the four best teams in the country and you should be a favorite to reach the final four. And I don't believe that Dayton is viewed as one of the four best teams in the country, nor do I believe they are, nor should be uh, viewed to be a favorite to reach the final four. But I do think that they've so thoroughly dominated the Atlantic 10, especially winning on the road, the Ryan center, a good team, a great home environment that I would put them as a one seed.
6: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: He is the face and voice of the Big Ten Network. He's Dave Revson. He joins us in the All Ball Podcast. And Rever, we're getting ready for Indianapolis, which is going to be the Big Ten tournament. It has been outstanding the past couple years. The, the league may not be as good at the top as it's ever been, but it's as interesting as it's ever been. Uh, my first question to you is, how the hell did Wisconsin get to the top of this league? What, how did this happen?
6: It's a darn good question, Doug. I mean, it's been a crazy year for Wisconsin. Uh, it started, as I'm sure you know, and as probably a lot of your listeners know, with a tragic accident. Uh, in May, involving Howard Moore, who's just a wonderful, wonderful guy and longtime uh, assistant both for Bo Ryan and then uh, joined Greg Guard staff when, when he got the job and uh, just a, a wonderful guy. And uh, he lost his wife and daughter in the accident and he has been uh, profoundly impacted by it medically and had to take. Uh, this year off, it, it just it was so sad, and you just kind of wondered how this team was was going to bounce back from that. And then they started the year really poorly, as you know. I mean, really couldn't throw it in the ocean when they were out uh, in their tournament in Brooklyn. They lost to Richmond in New Mexico, and then they had one of their best players, second leading scorer Kobe King, leave the team uh, at the end of January. And so, just about everything that you know kind of could go wrong—from human tragedy to just kind of figuring out roles on the team, all of that has happened. And yet here they are. And I guess the most the, the simplest explanation for it would be they started making shots. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but, I mean, they were just such a bad shooting team, particularly from the guard spots early on this year, and they just seemed to have figured it out. I do think the addition of Micah Potter helped a lot. The transfer sure. from Ohio State, he got eligible in December, and they started playing a bit better then and part of it is, you know, his ability to kind of stretch defenses, as you know, swing offense inverts a lot. And so the bigs are out on the perimeter. And and I think that took some of the pressure off of the guard. So I think the addition of Potters helped them a lot. But I do feel like it just is guys figured out their role and kind of responded to the adversity. But it, it's an amazing story. And I think what's really cool about it is. That it happened on the offensive end. They, they. I mean, going into last night's game against Northwestern, they didn't score a ton of points last night, but they were the highest scoring team in the Big Ten since right. February the ninth when they started their winning streak. So that's kind of crazy. I mean, you think of them as being efficient offensively, but you don't think of them as being high scoring. But they, they have figured out a way to score, and and it's really been an amazing story.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, like, look. In 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 fairness, they did play. Uh, You know, the bottom of the league and and some of the top of the league that they played, they played at home during the stretch. Right. You know, like Ohio State's been a bad road team. They beat them at home. Rutgers is a great at home, bad on the road, beat them at home. Um, You know, Purdue much better at home than on the road. They squeaked that one out. But the win at Michigan really kind of solidified it as as real. Let's get to Michigan. Um, How would you characterize this season uh, under a new regime?
6: I think it's been really interesting. They've had stretches where they played very well. They've had stretches where they played not quite as well. Uh, You know, obviously the win over Gonzaga, I think, still resonates. It's a really good win. It gave us a sense of what they could be early on this season. They've gone through a couple stretches of, of losing streaks as well. To me, part of it has been, you know, Isaiah Livers being in and out of the lineup. I mean, he is, from my point of view, I think he's their best guy. He's certainly their toughest matchup for people. Xavier Simpson is, is the straw that stirs the drink and I get sure. that and he's tremendous point guard. But Livers is the guy who when teams start game planning for, okay, how are we going to stop Michigan, he's the first guy who you really need to worry about. What are we going to do with him? And and so the fact that he's been in and out of the lineup, a lot of that has coincided with, you know, when he's in they've been better and when he's not, they, they haven't been. But I think Juan Howard's done a really good job. I think there were a lot of doubters about Juwan. And, you know, hey, he had never been a head coach before. He's taken over from one of the great tacticians in college basketball, and John Beeline, I mean, as good an X-and-O guy as there is, and, and that those were massive shoes to fill. And, and so, kind of from where I sit, I mean, not a 500 team in the league heading into the final week, uh, they have some really good wins. They're a clear-cut NCAA tournament team, and I think if they're playing well, they're a team that, that could do some damage and could get to the second weekend.
1: I like Maryland more than most, and then, of course, they lose three out of four here before they uh, they have Michigan on Sunday. Um, I think the loss to Michigan State at home after beating Michigan State on the road just a couple weeks ago is probably the one that jumps out at you, right? Like, like you're going to lose some road games Losing to Ohio State, losing even to Rutgers. I mean, those those are good, really good home teams, uh, maybe not empirically great teams. But I, I find it hard to get others outside of Maryland fans. Even Maryland fans seem to not want to buy in, seem to not believe it. Um, wh- wh- what is your level of faith in Maryland come, not just the Big Ten tournament, but the NCAA tournament?
6: I think the biggest thing I worry about, Doug, is depth, particularly in the front court. I mean, they only have six guys that average double-digit minutes. Uh, As you know, the Mitchell twins leaving fairly early in the year, and then the fact that Shoal Mario has taken longer to come along than than I think they expected in combination. That's put a lot of pressure on Jalen Smith to stay out of foul trouble and, and stay in games and occasionally that has been an issue for him. And, you know, look, they're a team with two supremely talented guys. I mean, Collin and Jalen Smith are really, really outstanding college players, and, mm-hmm. and Jalen Smith's going to be an outstanding pro a, a, as well. I guess I just worry they're so heavily relying on those guys. They don't have a ton of depth. So, I, I you know, if those guys, they can keep everyone on the court uh, and – and, you know, the the additional timeouts, obviously, in the NCAA tournament, or the longer timeouts definitely help them. But I, I do worry about that that component of Maryland's team. But, you know, in terms of having matchup issues, how do you deal with Jalen Smith? How do you deal with Cowens? We've seen Wiggins get better. cell is, is a great glue guy. I think they have some really nice components to them. They just haven't guarded well here over these last four games, and they've given up at least 1.1 point per possession, over those games, and and to me, that's been their identity. I mean, that's been where this team's been great all year is is on the defensive end, and so they need to figure out how to get that back and, and get it out pretty get it back pretty quickly here. Uh, otherwise, they're going to be in trouble.
1: Make your case for Luca Garza's National Player of the Year.
6: Oh man, uh, well Iowa. First of all, I mean, just the outsized influence that he's had to have on that team because Iowa's had all kinds of injury issues. They have three guys who they were really counting on that haven't been a part of their team. Jack Nungey got hurt about five games, games in. You know, Fran McCaffrey said he had the best offseason of anyone. Patrick McCaffrey's grandson, who is a really good player. I mean, I've had them a number of times this year and have watched him in their, their shoot-arounds, and I'm just floored by his skill set. I think he's going to be great. Uh, he has sat out this year kind of dealing with some of the after-effects from the cancer that he had a number of years ago. The cancer isn't back, but just kind of figuring out how to how to deal with it uh, and some of the the impact that that, that has had on him and, and and had on his body, and then Jordan Bohannon, who was a, you know a tremendous shooter and a, a real leader for this team, he's been out as well. So you have three guys you were counting on who aren't part of this team. It's put a ton of pressure on Garza, and I just think he's been amazing. I mean, he plays close to 40 minutes, or certainly has in some of these biggest games. I did a game in Indiana; he sat out 20 seconds of the game. And yet, at the end of the game, he's getting up and down the court better than anyone and you know, hitting a couple critical threes to try to get Iowa to, to make a run late in the game. I just think his, his energy is fabulous. He's in incredible condition. And he's just gotten better and better. I mean, he's just an efficient a player, as you're going to find, in college basketball. He has every post-move you could possibly want, but he can hurt you out on the perimeter as well. And then he just plays so hard, Doug. So yeah, I, you know, again, I'm biased. I, 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 Obi Toppins had a great year and I certainly could understand that. I just think it's different. The bigs in the big 10 this year. I mean, if you go down the list and look at how good the big men in this league are, almost everyone's got someone that you've got to deal with. And Luca Garza is going to put up the most points of any big 10 player in conference play over the last 20 years. So to me that speaks to just how good he's been and, I think it's different in the Atlantic Ten. Again, I'm not. I no, 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 no. You're, you're not. You're not.
1: You know. You're 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 not. I mean, you may may sound like you're disparaging the, the but it's that that's the reality. When you get to a yeah. lower level in the A10, whatever you think of Dayton, the league is generally a lower level. Uh, the what what you usually have is the bigs are the ones that are either undersized or underskilled or whatever. And in the Big Ten specifically, it. You know, there are some teams that play small, but it's a league where it's really hard. It's like Big Ten in football, right? You can run spread, but you still got to run the ball between the tackles to win in the Big Ten. And it's the same thing. It's the same thing in basketball. Like, you know, even as much as Michigan has played four out, one in for years under John B line, right? Like, you still have to defend the rim. There's still John Teske's, you know, like John Teske's a perfect example. Like, think what you want to think about Michigan, but they have a legit big guy that you have to match up with. I would—I yep. complete. its it's a, it's the one league in the country where bigs absolutely positively matter more than, than, than anyone else. All right, a couple more I want to get to. Uh, last year, around this time, uh, we reconvened and got a chance to call a game. I'm not going to bring up Northwestern basketball right now, but it was Northwestern, Penn State, and Penn State at the time was 0-10 in the league, and that was their yeah. first win. And I said to the local—
10: Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: The Penn State reporters, they were talking about making a change. I was like, look... I don't know what 0 and 10 league teams are supposed to look like, but Penn state doesn't look like them. They look like they're really, really close and they're still really bought into Pat chambers. And you and I both know we've done Penn state Northwestern games for years. Like that's a, that's a hard job, probably the hardest job in the league because that arena is so big and it's not a basketball school. Um, still I'm impressed. Like you lose Rossier or Bolton who you start as a freshman and like, Penn State is, I think they're a, they're a problem for teams in the NCAA tournament. W- what are your thoughts on what Pat has done here in a, in a, in a hot seat year, solidifying himself as the coach of Penn State?
6: Yeah, I think he's done a wonderful job, and they haven't been great down the stretch here. You know, Myron Jones was out. He's their second leading scorer. He missed six games with an illness, and they're trying to work him back in, and, and that has had an impact here. But, yes, I mean, clearly has saved his job. They're going to be a they're a clear-cut NCAA tournament team. And they are a really tough matchup. And there was a point, if you would have asked me a month or so ago, I mean, I thought they were arguably playing better than anyone in the league. I had their game at Michigan State, and they were just a better team. They just out tough Michigan State. Jones was awesome. He hit five or six threes in that game. He was just fantastic. That was like peak Penn State. And then he was out starting – with the next game. And, and they kind of haven't quite been the same team since, but when they're clicking on all cylinders, no one's healthy. I mean, Lamar Stevens is, is a pro. I mean, he is really, really good. You've got Mike Watkins, who is a shot blocking presence inside. The one thing I worry about with them is they don't have a great point guard. Jamari sure. Wheeler is not an offensive threat, right? He's a tremendous defender. He leads the league in steals. He knows how to get the ball to his teammates in places where they can score but he is a guy that you can sag off of and you can kind of play five on four on, on, you know, when they're on the offensive end of the court. And so I worry about that a little bit with Penn state, just in terms of how deep can they go, but I think Pat's done an incredible job with this group. And you're right. Even when they were 0 and 10, they were totally bought in. They play with great intensity. They have responded to kind of who he is. and, And he has built a culture within that program. And I'm just so happy for him to see it kind of come to fruition this year because he is one of the good guys in the sport and and really deserves it.
7: Get right to the romance and find the way to wow this Valentine's with 1-800-Flowers.com. From classic roses and bouquets to decadent chocolate-covered berries, gourmet treats, and more, surprise your Valentine with 1-800-Flowers.com. Right now, get the 18-stem Enchanted Rose Medley for $39.99 or upgrade to 24 red roses for $10 more. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in. That's 1-800-Flowers.com slash tune in.
9: What grows in the forest? Trees? Sure. Know what else grows in the forest? Our imagination, our sense of wonder, and our family bonds grow too. Because when we disconnect from this And connect with this. We reconnect with each other. The forest is closer than you think. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.
1: Uh, Rutgers is still, I, kn- I know they beat Maryland. And it's a weird year, right? You beat Maryland at home, Illinois at home. Um, and, but they'd still lost six out of their last nine games. So they're kind of petering out here down the stretch. Wouldn't stun me if they... If they lose to Purdue on the road, hard game. But um Peichel is another guy who like like man to to get to get Rutgers to this level in, in the Big Ten, uh what sort of matchup do they provide a team? If you're filling out your back, you're like, ooh, Rutgers is gonna get in. Probably between eight, nine seed and double digit seed, depending upon how they finish and do in the Big Ten. What's Rutgers look like if they're matching up with your team in the NCAA tournament?
6: Well, they're going to guard the heck out of you. I mean, that's kind of been their identity. They're still not a great offensive team. I think they're 13th in the Big Ten in three-point percentage. They were the last time I looked. So they have one guy who has supreme confidence in his shot, and that's Geo Baker, who late in games is really outstanding. But the biggest issue when you're going up against them is how are you going to score against them? They play really hard. They're an outstanding rebounding team. They go hard after the offensive glass as well. So if, if your team has issues trying to, you know, defensive, defensive rebounding is a problem. They're going to hurt you there. The question with them is they are a, they're home court heroes, as we know. I mean, yeah. they've only lost once at home all year and they've only won once away from home all year. So how will they perform on neutral court? I mean, I think we'll learn a lot to to see how they do in the Big Ten tournament because that's going to be kind of the the first and, and only experience we'll have with that with them this year. But they are a team that, given the right matchups, can certainly win a couple games. And and Pyke's done an amazing job. The one thing I'll say about them, Doug, is they're still really young. I mean, they yeah. start. He's kind of mixed up a little bit. He he hasn't been starting Miles Johnson at center even though he's his best guy because Miles gets in foul trouble a lot and so he's kind of brought him off the bench and has started a, a young man Shaq Carter but for all intents and purposes Miles Johnson is a starter and that means they have four sophomore starters on their team. So I think that's what's really impressive is he's kind of gone off the grid in recruiting and gotten some guys a few who were heavily recruited but you know by their standards who were maybe four star in, in one of the rating systems but a few of his stars, Miles Johnson, Geo Baker I mean, these were guys ranked in the three and 400s in the National recruiting services and have been really good players for him pretty much right away.
1: Um, help, help me on Indiana. Uh, I, you know, I know they had to beat Minnesota and they did. I know they had to beat Penn State and they did. Um, I think if they win one more at home, they probably get in. Why, why, why the struggle to win over the fans?
6: Well, I think it's probably something to do with those five banners hanging at the end of the court. I still think there's just a belief that Indiana should be a player on the national stage, and the fact that Archie's been there a couple of years now, and this will be the third. This is the third year, and it'll be the first time they get into the tournament again. The expectation in Indiana, and particularly, I think you look at how good Purdue has been recently, and what a, what a tremendous job Matt Painter's done, and having sustained success with that program. You look across the border at Kentucky a state that they certainly share a love of basketball with. And of course, Kentucky's had incredible success under Cal. And I think Indiana believes that they should be in that echelon of, of college basketball success. So that's why it's hard to win over the fans. It's just a feeling that they haven't played at, at the level that they had hoped for as to how good this team is. You know, the guard play is just so inconsistent. I mean, I, I yeah. think just in general, if you were to define Indiana, it's inconsistency. And Devonte Green can have an unbelievable game. He can light up Florida State for 30. I was talking about the game I did against Luka Garza in Iowa. He was unbelievable in that game particularly in the first half. And then, and then, then he can go out and have a, a game where he's 3 yeah. of 14. Yeah. And and so that that to me kind of exemplifies what's going on with this team that the the, the backcourt is is a challenge in terms of the consistency and you know, even in the front court, I mean, Justin Smith can disappear for long stretches, but is a supremely athletic guy. So I think that's the frustration is, is just a feeling like, why aren't they more consistent? Uh,
1: it's good to see Illinois back and being competitive. And they're wearing the fly in Illini jerseys, which you and I, I, every, I think everybody loves. Uh, yep. And Kofi has been just a breath of fresh air. You talk about quality, big guys in the league. Here's a guy who comes in, he's got a man body. Uh, um uh, but I, I, I almost felt like there was a moment there last year where you're like, man, this could go either way for Brad. Like this might not this might not hit. And it feels like this year it has hit. Is it simply as they got Kofi and that changed things? Or was there something else that led to Illinois figuring it out and now becoming Brad Underwood, becoming kind of the guy for that program for years to come?
6: Like I think this is really one of the coolest stories in our league. And there is something different. And what it is, is Brad Underwood had a philosophy of how he wanted to play. And particularly, as you know, on defense, they were going to challenge the passing lanes. They were going to get up in your point guard's grill and make things really difficult for him. They were going to try to force turnovers and kind of live off of that and turn defense into offense. And yet what ended up happening is they were just dreadful on the defensive end because teams in the Big Ten, by and large, had good enough point guards to not make the mistakes that Brad Underwood was kind of counting on them making. They were fouling at an alarming rate. They were, last year, they got outscored by five points per game at the free throw line. Uh, They were getting killed on the defensive glass because they were out on the perimeter trying to cause turnovers. All of those things. And then their opponents, if they got past them, were shooting about 54% in uh, from two-point range last year. And, and so Brad legs. basically yeah. ran all of the analytics and completely changed his defense this year. They play more pack line. Now they got Kofi Coburn, who changes things a lot, because now you have a rim protector. He can't play like that anyway, right? He doesn't have it in him right. to kind of be jumping out in the passing lane. So you had to change But they have they basically, they're among the worst teams in the Big Ten in Steel. So they went from one of the best to one of the worst. If you love
0: sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics,
10: Old-school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: And they've completely changed everything else. They, they uh, go to the defensive glass much better than they did they're outscoring opponents by more than five points per game at the line this year, where they were minus five last year. So that's 10 points a game that they've changed. So to me, the, the story is that Brad Underwood was confident enough in himself to kind of look in the mirror and say, you know what? I feel like I'm a good coach, and I've won a lot of different places, but this style isn't going to work here. And I got to make a change and to be you know comfortable enough with yourself to do that. I, I think it speaks volumes about him.
1: You know, what's funny is that actually is the exact same thing that happened at Oklahoma state you own there one year, but if you remember, they started Owen nine in conference his, for yep. his one year there. And then they turn around. And 0 and made 6, the Oh, and six, excuse me. Owen six. You're yeah. right. It was on yep. nine this year, I think. Um, and they did the exact same thing. They, they, that he, you know, one of his assistants, he's like, Hey, I, this ain't working. Let's go pack line. They went pack line within kind of reason. And it worked, and it took him a couple of years. They to, to figure out the the exact, uh, the exact same thing. And yes, it it does show that uh, even a uh, what he, he would even consider himself a hard ass can sit there and go like, "This ain't working. We got to figure something out." And they have figured it out. All right, last team, Michigan State. Will they when when the tournament NCAA tournament begins, will they be where we many people thought they would be at the start of the season? Because they've gone through this kind of mercurial path trying to figure out roles, and, you know, some of it is you make shots, you look a lot better. I mean, that's really what happened at Maryland where Cassius makes five threes and Rocket makes three threes. You make eight threes between your two guards. You're hard to, hard to defend. But in, in your mind, can Michigan State be the team that they were maybe not number one in the country, but in that discussion of, hey, here we got another Izzo team in March, uh, are, they, are they trending in that direction in your opinion?
6: I mean, a month ago, I would have told you no. Again, you know, I, I had that game against Penn State, which was, I want to say, like the first week of February, and I, I just didn't see it. I mean, you know, you want to talk about a team that's been through a lot. You mentioned they were preseason number one. But, I mean, the second that Joshua Langford got hurt, that's kind of out the window because this is a guy who can score 15 points a game for you and, and to not have him change the dynamics of your team. then the horrible tragedy with Cassius Winston, losing his brother, uh, taking his own life. And, and you just felt like, you know, it's just so hard to recover from those kinds of things. So that this team changed so significantly over the span of really a, you know, a month or so, October and November. And, and now they've kind of spent the year trying to figure out who they can be. I'll tell you what though. I mean, Xavier Tillman has really, I I think he may be the defensive player of the year in the big 10. He's really been outstanding And then some of these younger guys would start to figure it out. I mean, you mentioned Rocket Watts. Like the last four games, he's a totally different guy. Marcus Bingham has really gotten good on the defensive end. Malik Hall's had moments now where all of a sudden you say, okay, he can be a a good contributor for this team. If it's just going to be Cassius and Xavier Tillman, I don't think they can go very deep. But, you know, Aaron Henry's a, a really solid player for them. All of a sudden you start to mix some of these other guys in there's less pressure on Cassius. There's less pressure on Tillman. And maybe they can be that team. Again, I, if you would have asked me in February, I would have told you no. I mean, I'd kind of written them off, and I would have probably listed three or four Big Ten teams that I thought had a better chance to make a deep run. But here we are in March, and you know they went to Penn State and won convincingly. You alluded to the Maryland game where they really, from start to finish, were just clearly the better team on the road Against a team that had a ton to play for, I mean Maryland could have wrapped up a share of the Big Ten title in that game. So, all of a sudden, here we are with with Tom Izzo in March, and uh, I'm not going to doubt him just given the track record. But it, it's it's a heck of a coaching job to get him to this point.
1: No, 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 it absolutely you're you're
0: absolutely right. Like making sure your kids are buckled correctly in the right seat for their age and size. Learn more at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad
8: Council. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour.
1: If you could find a way.
8: To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a
1: mile in my shoes.
0: Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile mile in 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 my shoes. We've all felt left out, and for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org, brought to you by
9: the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Look through your children's eyes to see the true magic of a forest. It's a storybook world for them. You look and see a tree. They see the wrinkled face of a wizard with arms outstretched to the sky. They see treasure in pebbles. They see a windy path that could lead to adventure, and they see you, their fearless guide through this fascinating world. Find a forest
0: near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest
1: Service and the Ad Council. Last thing, it's in Indy, which is an incredible basketball city, hosts Final Fours, whatever. If you were, if you were in charge of the Big Ten, and you kind of are in charge of the Big Ten.
6: Um, <laughs> Uh, That is not the case, but okay. Would would there be
1: a rotation? Would you do, because I I will say that I thought the Garden was amazing, was absolutely amazing. Now, maybe it's that the play that year was amazing, but I don't know. I felt, because the Big Ten hasn't always had a tournament, you know, so it's not like there's always been this one home for it. Would you do a rotation between Indy and the Garden? Would you include Chicago? If Dave Revson was king of all Big Ten, what would you do?
6: Well, the Garden was great, and I think there was a lot of cynicism about that, of why is the Big Ten going out there, but if you were there, I mean, it was just magical. It really was neat. The players, I think, understood the significance of it. There's a huge group of Big Ten alums in, obviously on the East Coast, but particularly in New York City, so... Michigan had a ton of fans there, and of course, they ended up winning the championship. Rutgers made a really good run, and so their fan base got to to be there and be energized. And there's just something special about that building, as you know. Uh, if you can include it in the rotation, I try. You know, the issue is the Big East hasn't wrapped up, and, and you know that that tournament had to be a week early, and the coaches yeah. really hated it, and and so I'm not sure it's worth doing it a week early to get it back in the garden. I, I do think that's the challenge. I think I would also include. Some of the places that have been in the Big Ten forever. One of the things that I got when I was on radio shows in those two years, because it was a year in DC as well, was you know, you're on a radio show in Detroit, and they're like, "Well, hey, wait a minute. You know, Michigan is among the oldest members in the Big Ten, and how is it that Detroit's never hosted the, the Big Ten tournament? Of course, you have Michigan State who, who joined later on, but I mean, obviously, it's been a member of, of the league for you know 70 years now." How come we're not a part of it? Minnesota, hey, we're a charter member of the Big Ten. How come Minneapolis hasn't gotten to, to host the Big Ten tournament? And I think it's tough to argue counter to that. I do think Indy is fabulous. I mean, basketball means so much in the state. It really does take over the city. You and I have been there for events. You know what a great host city Indianapolis is. It's an incredible place to walk around. It's easy to get to. All the venues There are good restaurants. There are plenty of hotels. All those things make it great. But I do think that some of these places that have been in the league forever that are located you know, near major cities, I do think you need to give them the opportunity. Milwaukee's got this fabulous new arena. Why, why shouldn't Milwaukee host it? So I think that's the, the balancing act of, of you do have kind of these core places, particularly Indy, where I do think year in and year out, they do an incredible job hosting. But I also think it's a fair argument to say, hey, places that have been in the conference since 1896 – maybe they deserve an opportunity to host it as well.
1: Yeah. Whereas Chicago gets it and their team bailed, you know, they, 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 they Well, one of their teams bailed, obviously the other team um, is, is your, your home against
6: the UFC Maroons.
1: <laughs> well, they, they may, they, they still have the open invite to, to rejoin whenever they, whenever they deem themselves, uh, whenever they deem the, the league worthy of their, uh, of their admittance or their attendance. Uh, Rever, you're the best. I know you're super busy this time of year. Look forward to catching up in Indy. And I appreciate you being my guest.
6: All right, buddy. Keep up the great work. Great to talk to you, Doug. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
1: All right, last thing here, as, uh, as we, I appreciate Dave Revson joining us. It is interesting. We talked about Michigan State, and obviously they've been through a bunch of turmoil. They lost Josh Langford, so they'll probably never be the team that we thought they could be. But you look at the Big Ten, you'd say, who's most likely to make a run? You'd probably say Michigan State. You look at the SEC, who's most likely to make a run? You'd say Kentucky. You look at the Big 12, who's most likely to run? You'd say Kansas. Even throw UCLA in there, which is a a huge surprise, or or Arizona. You know, every year we like to criticize people who rank teams in the preseason. Gonzaga, same thing. And yet sometimes we just have to have faith in the coaches and the quality of players, but especially the coaches. Those guys make money because they're really, really, really good. Really, really good. Like, does Self have good returning talent? Yes. But given the math equation that is trying to find the right matchups and lineups, as the season goes on, I would bet on Bill Self. Why? Because I got 15 years of evidence to say he's going to figure it out in the Big 12, and he's probably going to figure it out in the NCAA tournament. Same thing goes for John Calipari. They have first-world problems because they have star players that want to go to the NBA, but they generally tend to figure it out. And as much as those teams may have been overrated early, they're not actually overrated because the, the, the water will find its level here by the NCAA tournament. All right, my thanks to Dave Revson. Thanks to you for listening. More great podcasts to come. We'll get to Championship Week. We'll give you some, some, some picks, some players you need to watch, some things that we saw. In the meantime, why don't you send us some questions? Maybe we'll get just a QA and a podcast going later this week. I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. <laughs>
7: To order today, visit one 800 flowers slash tune in That's one 800 flowers slash tune in
0: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics,